I believe God wants to redefine grace in this time period, which really true grace doesn't need redefining. <laughs> but it's one of those words that's been abused, much like love, you know. For, for, for love or grace to hold any power, it's got to be defined. It's got to be defined by the one who gave it origin, and that is God. And see, most people, grace, the grace of God is just a... Uh, the, the, the church has a wrong idea of grace. Most people, when you see grace, or they, you say grace to them. What grace means to them is a life without consequence. God robbed the consequence, so I walk in grace. <laughs> oh, man. And some of you think that's grace. That's not grace. Grace is his strength in you to walk in right standing with God. It is the power purchased by the blood of Jesus to give you the life you didn't have, not to provide for the old life you want to live. Grace is not absence of consequence. And if you can honestly say that your life doesn't look all that different from before you knew Jesus, you need grace still. Because you don't have it. Yes, he came in, stepped and paid the price. Thank goodness we, we, we don't get what we deserve, right? And true repentance. See, repentance is that heartfelt turning away from sin and all old life and turning toward him turning toward righteousness. I can't walk in unforgiveness with my brother. I can't walk in hatred with you. I can't let you to define me by how I act. <clears throat> and see, grace isn't, well, thank God for Jesus' blood, grace covers. Yeah. That mindset is not in Scripture. His grace, more accurately, is His strength. Everybody say strength. It's His strength that empowers you to walk in a new way. You ought to look odd to the world. You ought to look peculiar to them. They ought to look at you and say, look, we like doing business with you. You're honest. You're faithful. You, you, you keep your word. You do good work. We got nothing bad to say about you. But why don't you find things fun that are evil? <laughs> why don't you act like that? You ought to be strange people. And you all seem so healthy. <laughs> and you all are free and you love your families. And when I come over to your houses, I get refreshed and I get sad that I got to go back to mine. That ought to be the way it is in the life of every believer. So that your life, now this doesn't, don't, don't, 
See, here's what the flesh will do. Oh, I don't got to witness to anybody. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you do. Tell, tell your friends and neighbors about Jesus, please. But your life is also a witness. And what good is it to tell your friends and neighbors about Jesus, but they look at you and they're like, me? <laughs> you look kind of like me. <laughs> I don't know if I need that in my life. But you're supposed to be the strength. You're the salt of the earth. Salt is the preservation. <clears throat> I was having the, this, I believe this is a thought that origin, originated from the mind of Christ. The other day I was just thinking about things. And he says, people take for granted the salt in this country. The salt it was built on. And we have a whole generation of men and women that are voting in more of the flesh. Voting in more sin. Voting in more secular humanism. And things that redefine the values of this country. And we're not, America is nothing special Accept what it's founded on. And if it's not founded on that anymore, then it's going to look like anything and everything else. And don't think that something bad can't happen here just because this is God bless the United States. And if we keep redefining our values, see, and this is the thing, those that want to redefine America stand on the salt of the foundation of it. And they continually undermine it and say, see, we can do it a different way. While they stand on what they don't want to receive. And they stand on the foundation of morality. They stand on the foundation of, of the rights that this country was built on. Of the values this country was built on. But now we stand on them. And from the shoulders of that perch, we now want to redefine them and we will chip them away. You won't be the country you used to be. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its savor, it's good. It's good for nothing. I mean, you can read about that analogy he's using. You know, like once, once that salt goes, you know, once it loses its ability, what they used salt for back in the day, it's, it's, it's just as good. You might as well make it gravel because it doesn't do anything. It's good for nothing. Trodden underfoot. See, you're the preserving agent. And every godly influence in this country is a preserving agent. But if that godly influence is gone, there is no preservation. All that happens is rottenness. All right? All that's going to happen is the meat's going to start smelling and it's going to smell bad. <laughs> but see, salt preserves. And you're the salt. And you ought to be the salt. You ought to be that pillar of light in your neighborhood that everybody else, they're like, man, we're so glad you're here. I can't imagine what it'd be like if you left. Because you are, because of, no, because I'm so special. No, because God abides in you. Because you're one with your father like Jesus was one with his father. And wherever you are, you're salt. Wherever you are, you're light. You ever turn on a light and have, to, I mean, light illuminates. You, you, my kids, they, they loved my office is the only dark room in the house, you know. There's no windows. And so what they'll do is they'll go up to my office, turn the lights off, and it's just pitch black. And then they like to get, you know, a glow-in-the-dark car, you know, or glow-in-the-dark. Glow. They always go up there to test their glow-in-the-dark stuff. Well, this glow-in-the-dark things, you can see all of their faces, and it's not even that bright of a light, but that light, everything is drawn to it, you know. I can't, I can't see without that light. I've got to be able to see, you know, and there's stairs in there, and 
that's you. That's you on this earth. They ought to find you strange. They ought to not find you. Don't, don't relate to the world like they tell you to relate to the world. You don't, don't, don't relate to the world. I, I have, what, what that means is you should have fellowship with the world and look like them. No. Now see, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did not buddy up with the sinner. Jesus didn't go spend a whole bunch of time fellowshipping down at the bar to get those people saved. He says, oh, you're one of us. Look at that. Been drinking like us. Okay, I think I can listen to you now. That's not what happened. <laughs> That's not what happens. Now, he didn't mind. He would talk to them. But every time he came in contact with them, it was like fire. It was like a hot iron. It's like, holy cow, what is that? That's something we've never seen before. We see when Zacchaeus came in contact with Jesus, that guy who lived for money all his life, that one instant with Jesus completely turned him around. He says, I'll, I'll give back to anybody I've stolen from and I'll pay him back four times as much. And I, I'll bestow half my goods to feed the poor. One encounter with Jesus, one night, changed his life, not Jesus' life. You hear me? You're the salt and the light. You don't buddy up with sinners to get their approval. You buddy up with God to show them the truth. And let those that receive, receive. And let those that reject, reject. You are the light of the world. Let's say this together. I am the light and the salt of this earth. That's the grace that empowers me. To live free from sin, addiction, everything that is worldly. I look nothing like them. I only look like my Savior. Amen. They ought to be able to look at you and say, okay, I know you're one of them Christians. Praise God. Proud to, proud to wear that badge on my sleeve. Hallelujah. Don't, wanna, don't want people, oh, I didn't know you. I've known you for years. You're a Christian. Worst thing somebody could tell me. I got hold. <laughs> Your presence just will exude it. You come in. I got, I got friends in high school. I got buddies. I don't, they know where I stand. Don't even have to say a word, but I do. That, that ought to be your testimony. They ought to know where you stand. Hallelujah. It's not love. It's not love. If you see your brother or sister in need. Everybody say need. If you see them in need, it's not love to let them be. And that goes for food. That goes for clothes. That goes for spiritual needs as well. That goes for salvation. That goes for spiritual meat and spiritual drink. And how can I, who have claimed to have the life of Christ and walk in freedom, stand next to a brother of mine that's destitute of it, serving every lust of his flesh, and stand there and say, well, praise God. You're doing all right. I'm not walking in the love of God. I'm not walking in the love of God by pandering to their belief systems. I got friends that went to my same Christian university that are atheists, 
homosexual, walking in every kind of lust that you can think of. And they came out of, they came out of a tongue-talking, charismatic university where they sat in the same service as I did and saw the same people get healed I did. They sat there and watched the power of God flow through services. People get up. I mean, I can remember we would sit there in the, in the auditorium. Somebody would break their arm or, or twist their ankle or sprain something. And they'd come into the charismatic life class. And God would call them out by a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge and say, somebody here did something in, in the such and such auditorium the other day and you hurt your ankle. Come up here. God wants you to be able to play. We used to all sit there and watch. It was a wonderful university. Hallelujah. Got those same kids that I, I love them. Started out right, didn't end right. And it's not love. It's not love to keep your mouth shut. Now, if you don't got a voice in your life, you, you can be sensitive. But most of the time, people need the truth and they need your life. They need your salt and they need your light. Hallelujah. That's what he made you to be. All right. Well, I don't know where that leaves me. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad that he offered me his life freely by grace. Grace, the kind of grace that he gave me. It's not the kind of grace. I don't want the grace they preach. I want the grace he preaches. I look like him. That's the grace I want. I act like him. That's the grace I want. And every, you hear me. Every doctrine that you hear that panders to an excuse that you can't look like Jesus came straight from the devil in any way. It came from the enemy. That doctrine that says, well, you're only human, that is from hell. You are not human if you have been born again. I am a citizen of heaven, thank you very much. And I am not like the world to live after the world. But I have been made like him to live after God. And every doctrine that would pander to an excuse that validates why I can't be free, I don't get, I'm not going to get in bed with that if I can be that bold. I'm not going to let that produce fruit in my life. Because he has made me free at a very high price. And I'm not going to step on it by saying he hasn't. I want the freedom he said I can have. And he said, as he is. So am I in this world. God is love. That means I am love. Everybody know what love is? Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Now, the book of Corinthians, at the very beginning, he says to them, he said, uh, he says, some of you, you're trying to find allegiance with men. One says, I'm of Paul. Another says, I'm of Apollos. Another says, I'm of Cephas. All right? So they were getting up into camps. Everybody say camps. So I, I like to identify with this apostle. I like to identify with this apostle. He says, aren't you, you're just all a bunch of carnals, aren't you? You're just carnal. <laughs> You bunch of, you're just a bunch of babies. He says, I've only been giving you milk. I can't give you meat. 
because you're walking as carnal and as mere men, he says. In other words, you're walking like the world. And, and, and you're almost in your thinking when you read that, he says, when you walk like mere men, he's like, what do you mean? Shouldn't we not walk like mere men? <laughs> Aren't we mere men? No, you're not. You're not mere men. And you shouldn't be walking like mere men. You should be walking like Jesus. You are children of God, not children of the earth. Hallelujah. And so he's writing this because of the divisions that are in the church. He's writing this because of the competition and the strife and the division. Okay? And thank God we've gotten past that in the churches. Hallelujah. But in case we haven't, we're going to go over this. Now, I really... Uh, you ought to read 12, 13, and 14, 15 times, 20 times. So it would take you maybe five minutes, 10 minutes. I don't know. If you really want to labor about it, you could read 12, 13, and 14 in 15 minutes. So if you read that, what, 10 times, that's 150 minutes. That's two hours, better than the movie, okay? So re read this 10 times and get it settled in yourself what it's talking about so that nobody can come steal your lunch about tongues and what it's for and how it's passed away and all that garbage, okay? Because they use verses in here, they don't even know what they mean, but they just pull them to, to justify their, their doctrines. But you read these three chapters together and you read them over and over and over, get it settled in yourself what Paul's talking about. I've heard crazy things people say that claim to be, well, claim what you want, but you know, don't use the scripture to validate it when you use it like that, you know? All right, so he talks about 12, in 12 he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and, and part of the problem was they were out prophesying each other, okay? They were, they were prophesying, they would get up and they would, oh, you know, one over the other, he says there was division amongst them. He says if there's nobody there to interpret your tongues, don't just keep them to yourself, don't just blast tongues out in the service. And he says if somebody sang the same thing as you, if God revealed to you what he revealed to somebody else sitting by, why do you got to say it as well? Why do you both have to say it? Just don't, you don't have to both say it. Just one of you say it. You know? He says, let everything done for edifying. Not, it's not about your glory. You know? So there was childishness. Everybody say childishness. And we, we don't want to be like that. We want to be like God. Okay. <clears throat> Now here in verse 31, 12, 31, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he says, covet earnestly the best gifts. And then look at this though. And yet show I unto you a more excellent, ever say more, a more excellent way. And man, I'm sorry, I'm just going to beat up on this. People will say, oh, see now we just need love. We don't need the gifts. He didn't say that. What? He's showing you a better way to use the gifts in context. He's showing you a better way to, to walk in the gifts, not that they're invalid. <laughs> okay. Though I speak, and there he starts to, to talk about different gifts and different offices in the body, okay? And he uses them in, as examples. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have charity or love, I'm become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. So you remember, uh, what was it, the sons of thunder? They wanted to call fire down on that town. 
you know, like, now I'm just, hypothetical question here. Do you think Jesus had faith enough to call fire down from heaven? I think he did. Do you think it was ever in the line of, in line of God's will? You know it wasn't because he never did. <laughs> because he walked in love. And he says, you don't even know what spirit you're of. You remember what he said to him? So he says, if you have faith without love, you're nothing. Okay. And most Christians, I'll just go on this rabbit trail. Most Christians, they try to take their faith and grow it up like some kind of Jedi force type thing, you know? <laughs> like, I got faith, you know? <laughs> going to keep reading the word, going to keep fasting. My faith's bigger than your faith. <laughs> faith in what, though, you know? You got faith in your own faith or you got faith in God? <laughs> See, that faith... That faith does not serve you. I don't take that faith, the fruit of that faith, and go attack my own personal goals with it. I don't take that faith and say, man, I'm going to go run a marathon with that faith. Praise God. God, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I'm going to take that faith and go make a million dollars. That faith don't serve you. That faith works by love in following God. So faith is not, you're not called to have faith in your ability or faith in your own faith in your ability, but you're called to have faith in God. And as you see what he wants you to do, no matter how impossible it looks, I trust in God I can accomplish what he's telling me to do. That means when Jesus saw, he saw it in his spirit when he was supposed to walk on that water, he saw it and he had faith to go do it. He saw it in his spirit when he was supposed to go to Lazarus and raise him. And he went and did it and he had faith to do it. He saw it in here. Everything I see my father do, that I do. Everything I hear my father say, that I say. So he saw it in here and he had faith to go do it. So he never used his faith as a tool to get what he wanted to accomplish. That's not faith. See, some of us in our flesh were kind of like, man, Jesus could have done a whole lot more. <laughs> but see, he wasn't walking by his flesh. He was walking by his spirit. Amen. That's what faith is. Faith is subjected to the one who gave it to you. <laughs> and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Now, this is a scary, I mean, this is kind of a weird thing to say. I mean, can you imagine? And, and no, I can. There is a religious piety. There is a self-sacrificing that is not obedience. Everybody hear me? There is self-sacrifice that is not obedience, and God wants obedience. And what he's saying here is you could give your entire life in service of the poor, put your body on the altar. But if you did it out of a wrong motive, nothing. It's by love. Everybody say love. love. Charity. Now, this is the definition of love. This is the definition of who you are. Because as he is, so are you in this world. And you say, well, I didn't act like that today. Okay. That's okay. That's still who you are. And you're going to act like who you are the more you believe who you are. 
And the more you believe who you are, the more you're going to get an image of who you are and the more you're going to manifest who you are. Because truthfully, your soul manifests the image of who you believe you are right now all the time. Do you hear me? Your soul, this is why it's dangerous to put yourself in a box that God didn't put you in. You say, well, I'm a type A personality. I'm type B personality. Oh, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I lived by the title of introvert for years. It's a lie. It's a lie. Now, maybe you've got some natural tendencies you think you are. That's fine. Okay? But let God define who you are. Because that introvert lie will keep you quiet when you're supposed to be talking. Everybody hearing me? Okay. Let, see, that soul governs the flow of what you do. And that soul will be the one to object and say, this is not possible. Well, God's telling you it is. Well, it's not. Well, it is. Well, it's not. Well, you're not going to inherit the land then. You're not going to walk in promises. You imagine Jesus' soul. Nobody in the history of the world has ever walked on water. Well, too bad. Submit. We're going to walk on this water. (laughs) Do you think his soul didn't say that to him? I guarantee you his mind did. His mind piped up and said, have we ever done this before? (laughs) It matters not. We're going to go do it anyway because I have faith in what I saw. I'm going to follow God. Hallelujah. (laughs) You're going to possess your souls. That's the title of this message, I believe. See, now this is you. Everybody say me. Charity suffers long and is kind. In other words, they're, they're mean to me all the time, and I'm still kind to them. Man, I'm, I'm reaching a breaking point. I'm finally not going to put up with this. Anymore. No, you're still kind to them. Still kind to them. They never, they never have apologized. <clears throat> you still, well, let me look for that. <laughs> they suffer long, and if they don't apologize, then you don't have to be kind to them. Okay. <laughs> Does it say that? No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Okay? It's not proud. It's not puffed up. Okay? Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeks not her own. Is not easily provoked. Oh, man. Oh, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to mention that till now, but that's typical for fathers, right? No, it's Father's Day. Are you guys good? Okay, <laughs> happy Father's Day, yeah. Um. <laughs> Not easily provoked. It's bad that I thought about fathers at that point. And <laughs> so you, if you, you say, well, I, I've all, you know, if somebody comes along and they just know how to push my buttons. Well, get rid of the buttons. Because they're, they're not in the life of Christ that's in you. Everybody hear me? Get rid of the buttons. Because you're not that person anymore. Well, that's really, that's really going to take a lot of work. That's what his grace is for. It's his strength. Not a consequence free card. It's his strength that causes you. It's that sap that flows through you. You're joined to him. And Jesus, in spite of everything he suffered, he never once returned in kind, even by word. He, 
people cutting at him all the time with what they're saying, and he never once gave it back. Never once. He's kindness all the time. Strength all the time. And if it wasn't for his own probably self-confidence and assurance in, in his acceptance that he knew he was the father's, most people would have probably said, you're a doormat. That's okay. Be doormats for Jesus. Hallelujah. Let your love for them be the hot coals on top of their head. Hallelujah. Let that be the witness you give them. And if all you can do is be silent, then be silent. But don't return in kind. That was the law. Eye for an eye. Tooth for tooth. You'll repay. But Jesus said, repay not evil for evil. Hallelujah. That's what he said. <clears throat> it's not easily provoke. Oh, look, this one's, see, this one's tough. Not by grace, though. Thinketh. Everybody say thinketh. Well, I, I keep it to myself. You know, if you are love, you think no evil. Because that's who you are. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Hmm. Don't applaud iniquity. Don't praise iniquity. Don't, don't encourage people. Hallelujah. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Well, there's some caveats there. No, there's not. Stephen, now, Stephen what, couldn't have been a Christian for very few, very many years, okay? Because Jesus had only died. Stephen the martyr, right? The first one, besides Christ. How many years was he saved? Couldn't have been that many. Handful, six, eight years. He walked in love to where while they were stoning him, he prayed for those that stoned him. He said, well, I'm not there yet. You are there now. Believe it and walk in it. Believe what God has done in your life and let your soul adapt. Your spirit has been recreated in the image of God. You are righteousness and true holiness. The only part of you that balks at those kind of statements is the soul that just remembers who you used to be, and that's not who you are anymore. You got translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his son, and your soul still thinks, well, I'm, that's the biggest hurdle. I need a better preacher. I need a better pastor. I, they, they got something going on over here. What you really need to do is get out of your own head that says who you are. Your own head is wrong because it remembers who you used to be and that's not who you are anymore. It'd be better if you could somehow just wipe the slate clean and just put this in here, you know? Just overlay that. Get rid of the old and put the new on because you, you, your thinking is the biggest problem. You're thinking. You're believing that I am not qualified to go pray for so-and-so is wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Well, by the end of my life, I'll get there. If you want it to take that long, I guess. If you have that, if you have that opinion. 
Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now see, what's he talking about here? He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? He's talking about the gifts, but the gifts mean nothing without the context and the influence of love and God's will. Otherwise, you use the gifts to exalt yourself and glorify yourself and live for yourself. And this, they were out prophesying each other. I got something to say. I got to do this. I got to, I'm going to, I look at, listen to my tongue. Nobody's even interpreting it. What are you doing? <laughs> he says, love, love is the answer. Now, now most people, re I'm just going to, this is, this is a, this is a touchy subject for some people don't like this, but these next verses, I'm going to, I'm just going to kick something I don't agree with. This is not talking about heaven. And some of you are going to uh, go wrestle with it. Okay, I have. I used to think it, but it's not. It's not talking about heaven. Nowhere is he talking about heaven. He is talking, remember the context in the very beginning. He says, your children, right? I have to give you milk and not meat for all of the reasons we've already talked about. And then he says this. He says, let me show you a more excellent way. Well, is the... Heaven? We go to heaven and that's it? <laughs> no, he says love. Everybody say love. Yeah. See, so when love comes, all of the gifts find their context in the love of God, not the love of God finding their context in all of the gifts. So he's saying when love comes, it perfects all of these things. It gives you a mature outlook on things. I'm not calling fire down from heaven because you're opposing me in a service. All right? And look at this, charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Now he's speaking on their behalf. But he's saying, look, without love, we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, well, what has he been talking about this whole chapter? It's love. And perfect is another word for Maturity. So people read that and they say, well, that was perfect. It's come. That's when we go to heaven. We're okay. That's not what he's saying. That is not what he's saying. He's saying we know in part, we prophesy in part until that which is perfect has come. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, who are the children in this parable? It's them. He's not. They are. He says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, and what he's talking about there is a mirror. That's the word, that's a mirror. Now we see through a mirror darkly, but then when we see love, because when we look in the mirror as he is, so are we in this world, okay? Doesn't it say that as you look in the mirror and behold the glory, you are changed into that same image? So he's saying, as you look in the mirror, see, the mirror isn't just showing you Christ. It is showing you Christ, but it's showing you you. Isn't that what happens when you look in a mirror? You look in a mirror and you see yourself. But the yourself you're seeing isn't the yourself you used to be. It's, it's the yourself of Christ. Christ in you. When I look in the mirror, I see Christ now because I am who he says I am. And he says, we, we look in a mirror darkly, but then face to face. 
But then shall I know, even also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three. But the greatest of these is char- charity. He's not talking about the eternal by and by. He's talking, I, I find very few places where they talk about how good heaven's going to be and just wait for it, even though we preach that all the time. Everything they're preaching is about how to walk as, you know, honestly, the whole idea is we get to live the same no matter we're here or we're in heaven. <laughs> All that's changing is the locale, but I'm going to act the same. You think you're going to be free from lust in heaven? Walk free from it here because you can. All that changes is the location. That's why there's boldness in that day because I walked according to what he gave me. Don't, don't want to be afraid. Don't want that heaven to split open, him come riding through. And the first thought you say is, oh my gosh, I need to get right. Probably say something else, honestly. Don't, I don't want that to be what happens. Hallelujah. That's, that's, not, that's not the boldness I want. I want the boldness that comes out of me to be like, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> not, oh my gosh, I'm not ready. Okay. Now abide in faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these in charity. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Okay? And it's all about edifying for the church's sake. Read all of this in context. Some of these, they get jerked out of context and they mean nothing anymore. Okay? How are we doing? Oh, we still got 15 minutes. Praise God. Let's go to... Hmm... Let's go to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 1. And we'll start here in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found on praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, in whom Though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith. Everybody say end. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Most people, when you say the word soul, it's interchangeable with spirit. And they just mean my soul is saved. But that word soul, if you look it up, the word is psyche. Psyche. Does that sound like anything you know? 
See, the beginning of your faith, your spirit goes from death to life. But see, the end of your faith, your soul needs to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the end of your faith is the saving of your soul. He's not talking about spiritual rebirth. He's talking about transformation of the psyche. Transformation of the mind. Transformation about your believing. And it, it sounds so simple now that I say it, but it's the greatest barrier you've got to get over is simply believing that you are what he says you are. And once you start to agree with that, then the strongholds start to fall because I'm not that stronghold and I'm not that stronghold. And see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you never believe that you are who he says you are, then you have no hope that you're going to overcome it. But if you believe that he is, or you are who he says you are, then there is hope, and that hope has to come to fullness on the inside of you to preside, provide substance for the faith in the word. And every addiction and every stronghold and every little nuance of, we, we read the definition of the love of God, and you're thinking, oh man, I got to keep track of all of that. You are that. Walk in that. You no longer have to walk in being provoked. When somebody comes along and pushes your button the right way, in the past, I, I mean, I, I apologize. I ask for forgiveness. But in the past, just the right set of situations and circumstances. I get a call. I got somebody knocking on the door. I got two kids pulling my pants down. And all of a sudden, I'm stressed out. And I, and I think, well, it's the situation. If I could just control it, you know. And I snap. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The truth is that his grace is there. When you see what love is, you don't have to respond like the old man. You put him off. You put on the new. This is the definition of my makeup. Hallelujah. And you start to walk in the righteousness. It's not theoretical. <laughs> Jesus didn't come and shed his blood so you could have theoretical righteousness. He didn't come so we could say, well, positionally, I'm righteous. Praise God. He came to make you righteous. But you, and see, once you believe it, then you walk in it. Then you start to act it out. And you hold your tongue when you normally would have said something. And then that is transformation. That is taking the ground of the soul and what used to rule your soul no longer rules your soul. The spirit of life has taken the ground away from the old man and the soul is being renewed and changed. Hallelujah. You're saving your soul. <clears throat> Let's give you another witness to this. Let's go to Luke 21.
They were asking about the end times here. And he gives them, you know, some of it's prophetic about what was about to happen and some of it's way beyond their own lifetimes. Okay. We'll start here in verse 10, so just so you get some confidence or context. (laughs) But we're going for a certain verse here. See, because we're all, we're all walking in a life full of what Paul, Peter says, manifold temptations, you know, stuff comes, wars come, okay, tornadoes, storms, pers- really persecution, which we don't have a lot of in America yet, okay, we really don't, I mean, uh, this is a rabbit trail, but I, I, I saw this, this article about this, this Chinese missionary, read what he went through. I mean, the stuff that they did to him just ruined your lunch. It would. And I think, and, and, and all of that, <laughs> and God worked with him, supernaturally got him out of prison, told him when to leave, and all the doors were open. <laughs> Nobody's ever escaped that prison before, but God got him out. His name was uh, Yoon. Yoon is how it was pronounced. Chinese man. But the stuff they did to him, more incredible than the stuff they did to him was this God God never left me you know just this this joy that was in him that's 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 Christian reality for most for some people that's that's not here see the, the, the fight you have here is is the pleasure biding for your life instead of Christ that's the fight we have here. Well, it's fishing, and it's ball games, and it's cookouts, and it's drinking with buddies, and it's bigger cars. That's the fight you have here. And it's honestly, I'd rather have that fight than the fight he had. Okay? But everybody's got their own fight. <coughs> Verse 10. Okay, Luke 21, verse 10. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilences, fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues, into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And you shall be betrayed both by parents, brethren, kinsfolk, friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. You know, incidentally, it says all those that want to live godly shall suffer persecution. Just, just know that. Just know that. Okay? That's the Bible. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience, what patience? The patience of going through these things in life. Every person, every generation has their own walk. They have to have patience in. Okay? In your patience, possess. Everybody say possess. Possess ye your souls. 
the beginning of faith is trusting Christ, but the end of faith is your soul, meaning your mind, your will, and your emotions, they're 100% in line with your spirit, and they believe all things are possible. <clears throat> and I know part of, the, part of the challenge is even of hearing God. What does he want me to do? Part of the challenge is of why, why don't we see answered prayer? As you know, on the inside of you, that life is brooding, trying to get to the surface, trying to work its way through every emotion, trying to work its way through every lie that it, your mind believes, trying to work its way through false goals and willpower and dreams you have that aren't from God. That life's trying to make it through all that, like a seed trying to burst through concrete. But it can and that life is trying to rewrite all of those things and the dreams you used to have. See, that's this baptism. The old is gone. The new has come. The old is gone. The new has come. You're not who you used to be. And let God redefine you. See? You can be a Christian and go to heaven and do your own thing for a certain degree. But you'll never be his disciple. You'll never be his disciple if you will to make your goals come to pass and you know they're your goals. You don't get to decide your goals if you're going to be a disciple. You don't get to decide your education. You don't get to decide where you live. You don't get to decide what part of the body you're in. But I guarantee you, if you're willing to lose his life, your life for his sake, you'll find it. If you let him define, he'll fulfill you. He'll give you joy. He'll give you purpose. He'll give you freedom. And that life is brooding through. You're trying to get through all of that soul that says this isn't possible. That's why we have the word. That's why we have pastors and teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles. They come and they preach a message to your mind and say, you are, they're supposed to be preaching. You are who he says you are. And that outward witness agrees with the inward witness that says, I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Possess ye your souls. Hmm. We'll, go, we'll do one more. Okay, James. I'll make it quick. Okay. I don't mean to... When I said a seed bursting through concrete, I don't want to give the concrete glory. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. It doesn't have to take long. But there are lies in your mind and in your soul about who you are and what you're supposed to do that have to be broken off yet. Okay? And in me talking, I can't multitask. So I have not found James yet. So I truly, this is an argument I get in with my wife all the time. I don't believe anybody can truly multitask, honestly. You're just really good at switching things all the time. Your mind switches gears faster than mine does. <laughs> but anyway, that's not what we're doing. Don't let that rob what I'm about to say. <laughs> James chapter 1. I'm having fun today. Hallelujah. James, verse 1. A servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. Greeting. 
My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Everybody say patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect. Everybody say perfect. And entire, wanting nothing. Oh, what? Wanting nothing? So if we let patience have its perfect work in us, we'll be perfect, entire, wanting. And, and Peter, we're not even going to get there. Peter says, you'll, if, you let, if you do these things, you'll never fall. That's the way he phrases it, okay? But this says wanting for nothing. How would you like to be in a place where you're wanting for nothing? And that's, that's really what Paul was saying when he says, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. I know how to, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter if you're Yoon in a prison in China or if you're me over here in America, whether I'm fighting the sin or I'm fighting persecution, or I'm fighting lust of the flesh and pleasures and, and self-life, I can be perfect and entire wanting nothing if I let patience have its perfect work. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven in the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. <clears throat> you are the children of God today. Everybody say today. today. You need to equip your mind with such a vision that the word, how they see you. That love chapter, that defines you. We didn't get it today, but in Peter, uh, I think it's 2 Peter chapter 1, where it says, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge, Brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. If these things be in you and abound, you'll never fall, he says. That is how you're defined. What about Galatians? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. This is who you are. Let the light come on, believe it. And everything in your life that's trying to bow down to the old way of living, knock those idols down and say, I'm not living like that anymore. And you'll start to walk in righteousness and holiness. You'll lack nothing. Perf patience will have its perfect work. And you're going to be salt and light in the world. Amen? Amen? And you'll get to rejoice when Jesus comes back. Not be in fear. All right. Well, Father, I'm so grateful. I just lose grace. Grace that is strength to walk in the truth. Father, I thank you. I thank you for such a living hope being in people's hearts and minds that nothing would be impossible. They, they already believe nothing's impossible for you, but nothing is impossible for them because they are your children and you abide in them. Let them believe that all things are possible for me, ourselves, and let it be settled in our hearts that you have made us your children and let's walk with it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.